Grace and peace to you, beloved. I'm going to try that one more time. That's okay. We can warm up. Grace and peace to you, beloved. My name is Amy Wilson Feltz. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I am the pastor here at Morning Star. And I'm excited to be with you today. And we are concluding our sermon series, Practicing Life. So I invite you to turn to Psalm 127 in your Bibles, if you have those with you, or if you want to look that up on your mobile app, or you can follow along on the screens above me as well. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 2. Hear now the word of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for the Lord gives sleep to the beloved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The summer before my final year in seminary, I chose to stay in New Jersey and take a year's worth of Hebrew in eight weeks. It was called an intensive course for a reason. Learning a language that quickly is an intense experience, for sure. The days were filled, the mornings were filled with lectures and language labs, and then the afternoons were filled with flashcards and the study of grammar and the translation of sentences. And so not much time was left for anything else, but I did have the privilege of rooming with one of my dearest friends that summer who also chose to stay in New Jersey. And her name is Jenny Grundler. And Jenny and I are on opposite natural schedules. I'm an early riser, as many of you know, and Jenny is a night owl, but we made it work. But she will tell you that I had run a marathon along the canal path behind our apartment and translated the entire Hebrew Bible and basically saved the world before she managed to roll out of bed and say, Wilson, where's the coffee? Where's the coffee indeed? You know that I love coffee, good coffee, but I will confess that that summer, my coffee consumption was more about quantity than it was about quality. Y'all, I drink so much coffee that I had to get a whitening toothpaste. (laughs) Coffee was about quantity more than quality that summer. An oft-repeated slogan from the favorite local coffee place down the street from the seminary said it all, sleep is for the weak. I had Hebrew sentences to translate. I had a Master of Divinity degree to earn. I had ordination in the United Methodist Church to pursue, churches to serve, souls to save. Who needs sleep? Sleep is for the weak. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Just pour me another cup of coffee. That's the common sentiment, not just of seminarians, but of people in general, certainly people in our culture, as we pack so much into our lives before the sun comes up and long after the sun goes down. 
with the advent of electricity and advances in technology, we don't have to tie our waking hours to the natural rhythms of the earth, the sun, the moon. We have come to view rest and even sleep as leisurely, as weak, lazy, a waste of time. We put a stigma on rest. Who needs sleep? Not us, we say, but our bodies tell us something different. Today concludes our sermon series, Practicing Life, Connecting with God in Our Daily Tasks. And over the past several weeks, we've made that connection between our bodies and our souls. We've talked about the nourishment that we need for both. We've talked about growing in our sense of love, finding peace in taking deep breaths. We've talked about cultivating grace and forgiveness in our relationships. And today we turn our attention to what it means to rest well throughout the day and certainly at the end of the day because we know there's really only one answer to that question. Who needs sleep? Everyone. And if you're following along in your sermon notes that were made available online, that's the first answer. Who needs sleep? Everyone. But so much keeps us up at night. It's commonly accepted that the average adult requires seven to eight hours of sleep every 24 hours for optimal brain function. Children and infants, of course, require more than that, whether they say so or not. Studies show that 35% of Americans do not get enough sleep at night. That doesn't sound so bad, right? I mean, that means 65% of us are getting enough sleep. But it appears that our trend of sleeplessness only increases as we get older, as our responsibilities increase, as our worry increases, our concerns in life. And that means the risks that we take with our life and with the lives of other people increase as well. And I did say risk here because sleep deprivation is dangerous. A lack of sleep actually affects our bodies and our brains much like the misuse of alcohol. 20% of all car crash injuries can be tied to sleeplessness. 100,000 deaths occur each year due to medical errors that are also sleep-deprived. It's tied to sleeplessness, sleep deprivation. To get a bit more personal for many of us, a lack of sleep can also contribute to being overweight, which affects all kinds of other health issues in our lives. So we see that even if there are people among us who sleep like babies every night, the growing trend towards sleeplessness in our community and in our world affects us all. And we're not just talking about sleep. We're also talking about rest and a resistance to resting in general. In our day and age, we view rest as something that is optional, something we can choose to do or choose not to do. And sometimes, depending on our stage of life and our circumstance, we feel like we don't have a choice. We have responsibilities to meet and bills to pay and mouths to feed and goals to achieve and dreams to fulfill. And those of you who have more experience in life may find yourself with more time on your hands and more more options to take a nap if you need to, if you want to. You may say you can sleep whenever you want because your schedule is open. So for you and really for all of us, the question really becomes, are we resting well? 
Are we resting well? The truth is, sleep and rest is not optional. It's required for our health. It's a need that is a direct result of how our bodies function, but it's also a commandment. Rest is something that God expects from us. God expects us to rest. Do you remember that list that we find in Exodus chapter 20? We also find it in Deuteronomy chapter 5. We call it the Ten Commandments. We know the story well, most of us. The people of God, the people of Israel, they're wandering in the wilderness after being freed from slavery. They need direction, and they're given not once but twice a list of rules. Number four says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Rest, in other words, rest at least every seven days, just as God rested in the creation story that we find in Genesis chapter 2. By the seventh day, we are told God had finished the work and rested. Then God blessed that seventh day and made it holy. God made the seventh day holy, not because of the sequence of the day in a series of days, but because of what that day both brought and required. Rest. God made rest holy. Rest is holy. And from the very beginning, it would seem we too are asked to view rest not only as a commandment, but as something that God values, something that God models, something that God wants for us because it is good for us. It is holy. Sleep is so good for us, in fact, that it's a gift. That's what the writer of the psalm that we read this morning says. God gives sleep to God's beloved. That's us, by the way, God's beloved. That's why I call you beloved. And God gives the beloved sleep because God wants to ensure that we get sleep because we need it, because it's good for us, because rest is something to enjoy and to value, because sleep gives us the needed perspective to say what it is we can do and what it is we can't do so that we must rely on God and on other people. Otherwise, we work in vain. That's what the writer of the poem says in Psalm 127. We talked about the Psalms a few weeks ago. The Psalms are poetry. They're hymns. From the Hebrew people. We have one large book of Psalms in the middle of our Bible, but it began as five separate books, and we find Psalm 127 in that final book. It's a psalm of wisdom, which means it carries truth for daily living, for healthy living. This particular psalm is attributed to King Solomon, the son of King David. We know King Solomon for being wise. So he shares wisdom in this poem, highlighting the utter dependence that we have as individuals, but also as a society on God. It's a short poem, only five verses. The last three verses talk about the blessing of family. But the first two verses, the verses that we read this morning, they essentially tell us that our daily actions are meaningless unless we acknowledge God as the source of our daily life. Vanity, 
That's the concept that we find three times in two short verses. And it echoes the words of another wisdom writing, Ecclesiastes. And the writer opens in verse 2 with vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Vanity is a difficult word to translate from the Hebrew. That's one of very few things that I remember from those eight weeks. In our culture, vanity could be used to describe excessive pride or admiration for one's appearance or one's own achievement. But in the ancient Hebrew culture, vanity meant something more like vapor, a puff of air, a smoke screen, something so thin and fleeting it was barely there in the first place. Vanity describes something so fleeting that it was barely there in the first place. This is our life the writer is saying, our every effort, unless, unless the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, we are told in verse 1, those who build labor in vain, unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. Our efforts are worthless, in other words, unless they are connected to the work of God in community. We cannot save ourselves, no matter hard we try, no matter how many nights we give up sleep or sleep is taken from us. It's all in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, the wise king says. This one hits me right where I live. I told you last week I preached to myself as much as to anyone else because these are the words that God puts on my heart to share. Many of you know that I'm an early riser. I wake up long before the sun comes up. But I'm not racing the sun. I'm racing my kids. <laughs> I have much to do before they wake up. I have sermons to write and breakfast to make and lunches to pack. And yes, Jason is pulling his weight. He takes the night shift. I'm not complaining one bit because my life is full and rich. And the reality is that much is expected and required of me right now. My husband, Jason, deserves my attention. My three kids, they need my care. All of you, you require my commitment. And I love you. I love all of you. And I consider these roles that I've been given and that I've accepted to be privileges. But it's easy, day in and day out, to forget what I just said. That my life, that our lives, they are gifts. They are privileges and responsibilities that we have been given, not to run us into the ground, but to give us more life. So that we get more out of life. Because we can get more out of life when we do life together. We do want more out of life, don't we? We know life is short. This thought occurs to us on most days in one way or another. We know that any day could be our last. So we want to make the most of the life that we do have. It's when we try ourselves to squeeze the more out of life by sleeping less and resting less that we're in danger of sacrificing true life for a cheap imitation setting our tables and filling our stomachs with a bread of anxious toil, as the psalmist says. 
So most of us have heard that, whole, that old adage, you are what you eat. It turns out that we are what we sleep as well. We are what we sleep. Our patterns of rest either sustain us or wear us out. Now, anxiety can keep us going on adrenaline for a while, like another cup of coffee, but that crash can kill us, quite literally. True rest gives us a taste of resurrection, the ability to rise again and continue the work, not only so that we can have bread, but so that others can have the bread of life. That's what Jesus calls himself in the Gospel of John in that series of eight I am statements. I am the bread of life. And what he's talking about here is nourishment that can only come from the connection with our source of life and the recognition that our one little life gains greater meaning when we live not just for our own enjoyment or achievement, but out of love for God and care for the world. Again, I'm not dismissing the very real demands upon our time. Especially when life feels like an intensive course in a foreign language. I'm not disregarding the needs of our young children or our ailing partners or our aging parents or our suffering neighbors or our hurting world. What I'm saying is that if we are feeling overly burdened by those very real responsibilities, we've misunderstood those responsibilities as ours to carry alone. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 11 when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. We can imagine it looking something like this. We're walking around carrying all of these colorful boxes that God never asked us to carry by ourselves. What's required of us, beloved, is something much more manageable because we trust that God can carry the rest so that we can rest. Can we rest? It's a question that no one else can answer for us. But it is a question worth asking because the answer reveals whether we expect more from ourselves than we do from God. An inability or refusal to rest reveals that we expect more from ourselves, that we can do more than we think God can. Talk about vanity. On the other hand, It is in resting well that we truly place our trust in God and in God's care for us. It's in resting well, beloved, that we can gain more out of life for the rest of our lives. It's in resting well that we can rest for life. Amen? Amen.